what's good, y'all? D and uh, Dooley here from Gita Productions with the homie uh, Alexis Gomez here to have a conversation <laughs> about uh, his experiences with NFTs, his his arts, his background, all that good jazz. Uh, Say it up, Alexis. What's up, y'all? Thanks for having me. Of course, of course, of course. Legend, man. You're finally here. <laughs> finally joined us. You got finally grace us with our presence, man. I can't believe this. Whatever. Y'all can hit me up whenever you want. Nah. You gave me a lot of Hollywood ass answers. I didn't know what it was. You said talk to my assistant a few times when I texted you. And I was like, whatever. All right. Like we'll get we'll get to you eventually. But yeah. I said that. You let me know when and I'm down. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> I guess starting off uh What's your background, man? Uh, what is your background in art? Um, I, know you work, I know you work a lot with your hands. Uh, what, what's all that about? Tell all the, yeah, the, all so, <laughs> I'm an artist. I got uh, my BFA from Corporate School of Art and Design at the George Washington University. Um, my work is really interdisciplinary. I work in VR, AR, life-size figural sculptures, painting, animation, you name it, across the board, I'm doing it. What's uh, what's AR? Augmented reality. Okay, I should know that, damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people get confused with AR and VR, it's fine. A augmented reality is through a phone, VR is with a headset, that's the only difference. Oh, shit, I, I did not know that. What's up, it's true. And you're creating realms in like both spaces right now, right? Like you've been creating realms in VR with your headset and everything so far and like showcasing that. Is that like, is that like what you're about to be doing at your next shows pretty much? Like trying to bring like something like that for everyone to view? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the goal. The, the goal is to really create like a body of life-size figural sculptures, make an installation around it and then have a VR activation there where you put a headset on and it completely replicates the physical setting put in a virtual space what when did this my bad no, go no, ahead. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. i was uh, when did the when did the, when did the shift start then like uh, you were a painter for some time i think i've noticed you painting for some time i know you told me like uh you probably started once you saw me get into my art stuff and you got really inspired so <laughs> i wanted to make sure uh once you like kind of deviated from that like where, where when did that begin and like how did that begin when did you start going from like traditional art to like digital art pretty much it all started when we were in Bob's class and you were um he had this he had a bunch of sketches on his binder and i was like dang i wish i could do that and i was like i'm gonna do that i'm gonna be better than him and i told him that and then that completely that was the trajectory to my career that's where it started yeah, that, that's your uh your teacher told me i wouldn't be shit story that's yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> shit damn so what everything you're doing now um did you have to learn how to code like, um, I've seen you do like the augmented reality thing with your phone. I have no idea how you even start to do that. So is there like a coding background that you have Man, now or? YouTube tutorials, hella, like follow yeah. it step-by-step, click-by-click. But yes, no, sir. I mean, a lot of the stuff there, like um, there's a bunch of sources where you can copy and paste code that helps a lot. I've gotten familiar with code. Like I could look at it and I guess somewhat understand what I'm looking at coming from a place where I had absolutely no idea, but can I write a few lines? Not so much, no. So I don't know how to code by any means. Are you like going to like GitHub and like grabbing um, code from there? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or I look up whatever circumstance is happening and say like, um, if I get an error when I'm trying to put out an app or something, I'll copy it. 
I'll paste it into Google and then they'll tell me what to do from there. And that's, that's really crazy. It's uh, considering you have no coding background, you were able to create like all the stuff that you've made so far. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, there are a bunch of open source libraries. They're making it easy, honestly. Um, like Euphoria is one of the things I use to create um, augmented reality apps um, to build straight into a phone, like a full, fully functioning app. And that's all open library. Like they take care of the back end. You pretty much drag and drop. And, hmm. and I mean, it's limited as far as what you could do because I don't know how to manipulate it that much, but I could get something going on it. So. When you were in school, like this wasn't like a direction they were trying to head in at that time either. They were more centered on like history and like actual like claymations and statues and things of that nature. They weren't really centered on like learning coding and trying to move into digital art. Like, Oh, heck no. Um, my, my schooling was pretty traditional in the sense like you do art history, a ton of art history, and then you have, you know, professional practices and then you have your studio or your core. Um, and then your electives, which could be ceramic, it could be painting, it could be uh, um, installation, it could be, there's there's a lot of things it could be. Um, one of them was 3D animation though, which I think was the kind of catalyst for my work to enter the digital space. Um, I guess, big kudos to one of my professors, Justin Placas. He was, I was making paintings just like the one that DeAndre is seeing right there behind him. I was making these kind of paintings and he was, and he put me onto the software. He was like, you could do this in the software really easily. And then he took me upstairs to the media lab and then he showed me it. He just showed me the interface. And then I signed up for the class. And then from there it was like snowball effect. Mm. And so, then the, my bad, my bad. Deandre, go ahead. I was, um, so what is the, the character that's behind me? Like um, this character is in all your art forms. Mm. Where did that come from? Like, did you decide like, I'm gonna make a man um, out of make this man out of wood, but make this man into a sculpture. What is this character behind me? Yeah, he's he's just a being, honestly. I guess it's a metaphor for a human more than anything. Um, a lot of like some of my work, I was using a lot of like photo references early of myself, but I was they weren't necessarily self portraits. Like I would always strip my identity. It was more just about being human. So it's kind of like an ambiguous human form. I don't want it to be me. So then I just found like this figure and just ran with it really still running with it is if you can see behind me. <laughs> That's fire. Now, I mean, I remember, I remember you had a lot of shock value stuff from the beginning for sure. So it's kind of interesting to see you shift into this now, you know, needless to say, we've seen some of the stuff use the paints <laughs> with the, you know, the devil, the devil controversy things like, um, did anyone ever give you, like, were you kind of used to getting, uh, not criticism for it, but like, did it ever make you kind of wary of what you were putting out by like creating images like that? Or is it kind of like, you know, it's it's for the shock value, like. No, nah, I mean, it was it was like, a, a, so yeah, I was just young and ambitious for real. Um, that was like early high school work. And even going into like first and second year of um, undergrad, I was still making a lot of things like that. And then um, taking them to, to critique and stuff. And then eventually it just got to a point where it was so loaded with religious iconography and I couldn't get past that wall because I didn't grow up in like a religious household or anything. Yeah. For me, the, like the, the spiritual and mythological narratives like spoke values to me. And I think that my work is still grounded in like a spiritual realm, but the religious part of it was like 
a wall and I couldn't get past that conversation. So yeah. as you, like, I'm still using the figure just without the horns, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I was going to say that because don't don't quote me. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Someone, didn't they ask you something like, you know, this is the devil on a cross. How do you feel about him? Uh, re- I don't know, retaining for these sins, something along those lines versus Jesus or something like that. And I'm like, wow, that's a, it's a pretty hard question to answer if somebody asked you why is the devil on a cross? Like, yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't remember someone asking me that question, but it's a valid question. And I was in, I, I realized like um, in undergrad too, like you take all of that religious stuff to work and it's like loaded within art history also, like so much of art history, like art careers were in like um, the church, you know, like yeah. that, that was a whole profession to, you know, paint um, popes and everything. So I just knew that I couldn't back up that conversation. So I had to get out of the religious <laughs> conversation and move into something else, you know. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, so with uh, your character now, I've seen you, you like recorded yourself working on different projects. Like I've seen you cut different types of wood, plastic, all that stuff before. Like what made you be like, yo, I'm going to make this character out of all these pieces of wood. Like how did that come about? Okay, yeah, so um, I guess I doing ceramic sculptures first. It started with ceramic sculptures, um, especially, again, in school, we I had access to kilns, and I had access to a huge kiln. And so what is a kiln? A kiln, so when you make ceramics, you have to fire it, which pretty much means putting it in an oven, and that's what makes it hard. Um, so after undergrad, when I no longer had access to a kiln, I had to figure out, okay, so I want to keep making life-size figures, how am I going to do it? And then I just brought like a digital process into my work. And there were these um, maker spaces that had huge CNC machines and laser cutters. Jeez. And naturally I, w- I was already working in 3D animation. So I figured out how to turn those animations into sculptures. So the That's- 3D sculpture is to go along with the digital art? <clears throat> Or is it like kind yeah, of exactly Ex- exactly like the what's behind DeAndre right now that came before the sculpture that's the literally that file of or that 3d model of that figure um well that's is that's the painting or an animation because it all comes from animation right Cause I, mm-hmm. I make an animation and then I paint it also so that's probably a painting of an animation and then I take that figure that's in it and then I manipulate it and create sculptures out of it so a lot of like the layering you see, all of the um, the slices. Honestly, that's like um, I probably that's probably owed to the process of working digitally, and I I think it speaks to like a, a digital aesthetic also, like the nature of putting pieces together like that. It seems really mechanical, and as it should because it comes from a mechanical process. Yeah, I've seen you do like um your paintings, your animations, uh, your. 3D figures like the um, the Cosmic Warrior. That's one of my favorite pieces, by the way. That's a dope project. Um, and then you also do merch along with it. Um, what's your, your your process for doing like your merchandise? I've seen you like record yourself. Like you have some friends helping you out. Like I've seen you working through all through the night, getting like these uh, hoodies, shirts, and pants ready all by your what I'm all by yourself would help. Like it's it's you doing the work. Yeah, yeah. Process, like all of my merch is printed by me, like completely. Um, but for real, every time I drop merch, I want to, I wanted to live alongside a project that I'm doing. So it'll only happen if I'm going, if I'm finishing up a sculpture and I want to release it with the sculpture or if, um, perhaps it's a painting or something, but that's, 
that's typically the process. And I just screen print it. I take whatever, um, I use whatever I'm working on in the studio as a catalyst to the merch. So if I'm using a figure laying down, that's probably going to be the figure that appears in the merch. And I just try to tie those things together. I mean, yeah, just build a story behind it. And because another thing is just making it more accessible too, right? Um, mm -hmm. It's a lot easier for someone to buy a shirt if they support your work versus buying a sculpture that's listed at, you know, four figures. Yeah. And you, you kind of have to spend time creating your own interest for that. Right. Like you kind of like you spent time like making trailers for your own thing. So the actual artwork you have, you're creating, you're designing your own trailer and your own, like, I guess, set drop. Do you get, do you ever get like annoyed at your friends that don't support? Or are you more so annoyed with friends that like maybe looking for a discount for helping support? Or anything like that? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I mean, we've had these conversations. Most, my, you guys are mad fucking supportive no matter what. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to throw any shade. <laughs> now go ahead. Say the names. Waheed, everybody. Some motherfuckers be like, why is this so expensive? Why is this so expensive? And it's like, you actually see what's happening. So why are you asking me that? And yeah. my only argument to that is like, you'll go, you know, <clears throat> the things that we spend money on, um, I guess varies from person to person, but we all have our vices, right? If whether it's weed or alcohol, you can, uh, someone who smokes um, regularly can easily spend a hundred dollars of mm -hmm. money on weed a week or whatever, right? Someone who goes, who indulges in alcohol could go to the bar and spend that much in a night on drinks. So don't come at me with that. Oh, your $45 uh, hoodie is too much. No, fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I remember somebody said like, they're going to cash up you because they didn't want to pay the shipping fee. I'm not going to call them out, but that was fucked up. Whoever did that shit, honestly. that is ridiculous. <laughs> now, um, I did want to ask also, like you, you, since you are creating, like you create 3D art, you've made sculptures and things of that nature. Like, um, before you were just uh, kind of approaching like a blank canvas. Like, is that challenge still there? Do you kind of always walk in with something like knowing what you're going to create already? Like, I always feel like that's the biggest blockade for somebody when they just see a blank canvas. Like, they don't know what they want to make. Um, I'm wondering if it's easier knowing that you have like three layers to what art you're about to make, or like what type of piece you're about to make, but like. Like what kind of thought process is that like for you when you're just approaching a blank thing now? I mean, that's interesting. It's, it's really convoluted now because I've been working on the same body of work for probably three years already and I'm still still going in on it. Um, but it's, it's never really a blank canvas. One thing leads to another. That's the whole that's the whole way it happens, honestly. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's just trying to um, push yourself a little bit further every time because you know, a lot of artists, like a lot of popular artists, mainstream artists that we see, I feel like they do, they regurgitate the same things over and over again, which is fine, you know, um, whatever, whatever works, works for them. But I feel like being an artist, you have to keep, it should always be an investigation. So um, natural, and I've really just followed that inclination, like, um, just trying to take it a step further and taking it a step further and just running off of that ambition. So it always leads me somewhere. I'm never really worried about the blank canvas thing because I'm just curious and I'm never going to stop making. So it's kind of natural. Hmm. So, you know, you're kind of creating a world. So you don't really feel like you get like that, not writer's block, but it's just kind of like, you know what you're going to build off of just with your next image, just because. Yeah. And, he, and then as you mentioned, being in three layers, like between animation and then painting and then sculpting, 
I find that when I try to do them all at once, it's a lot less productive to where when I focus on one and then move into the other and then do the other, um, I just see results more. Like I, a lot of the times I'll try to find myself building a sculpture and then coming back and then making the virtual reality part of it. And it never really gets anywhere like that. So like, I, like my intentions for like this year moving forward is finish the set of five sculptures, which is my goal. I'm on number three now finish and then come back to make the VR. Uh, thank you for a little bit. Space hey. And just completely dive into the VR space. And I could throw, I could balance paintings in between that, but I just can't do it all at once. Hmm. Okay. My bad. How, um, what's the process for your, like your sculptures, like Abdul has in front of him? Like, um, does that take you a, like a super long time or how do oh, you go about um, that? I mean, I've, I've pretty much mastered those. I, the first time I made those was probably 2017, I think. Mm. And I released them like probably every two years, I released a batch of those. But um, that was actually a 3D scan. And this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like uh, mine and my fascination with the human form. So that was a 3D scan of my body. And then I oh. put it through I put it through a bunch of software, again, strip my identity, but I still see myself in it. And I feel like everyone should see themselves in it. Well, that's the goal. I'm not gonna say what you should do, but I want people to see themselves in it. So I just um, put that through a few software that breaks it down into slices and actually tells you how to assemble it piece by piece. Um, then I go to Baltimore, they have laser cutters. I cut them, I cut the files, and then I assemble them all by hand. Um, that's dope. Yeah, and not all of them come out great. Like there are always ones that never that don't make it because assembling them, you have to use this adhesive that is really tricky to use, and it could mess up the plastic really easily. So I try to. It has to be seamless in order for me to say, yeah, this is like, um, this is worthy of selling. So I'd say for every three, for every three that I cut, probably one gets trashed. Jeez. a lot of the things you're touching on is like especially like with like standing down images doing like actual hands-on work in the digital art like um everywhere everything you were studying in school like you don't feel like that really prepped you into like what you're doing now would you say like um it still kind of gave you some type of groundwork to get into this realm or like is it kind of like you kind of feel like that was wasted effort you could have maybe learned this outside of school because you always had your talent did you it didn't really teach you how to draw or how to paint or anything like that did it Oh, yeah, I think that's a great question. In art school in general, it's like, do you need to go to art school? And I will always say that, like, even though college is a damn scam, like, I'm so appreciative of my education. And by all means, I owe plenty of my thought process to it. I wouldn't say that it necessarily teaches you the technique so much, but it makes you practice. So you have to learn it. Um, so it's like a, it's like a push and pull there. Um, so I, I wouldn't completely dismiss it at all. In fact, I would do the opposite. I would say I'm owed all of this too, especially to my professors. Like mm. they showed me things, they took me out of that realm. If I wasn't having the conversations that I was having, I could probably still be painting, you know, demons and angels in my, um, my art conversation would have never progressed. You know, I would have never been having the dialogue that I'm having now. I wouldn't even know how to talk about my work. It would be real um, surface level. So. Yeah, no, I owe it a lot of a lot of art school. 
and sleeping with that in your bedroom, having a devil paintings in your bedroom, I'm sure, <laughs> as a uh, fucked up, you gave you some sleep paralysis, I'm sure, and things of that nature. Um, like, like especially like when you, when you talk about like talking to your professors and things of that, like, do you think they kind of taught you uh, like some level of discipline and self belief too? Because right now, what you're doing is kind of taking like a real gamble on yourself and trying to like make sure you know it. So, like, do you think there's like a level of I don't know, I don't want to say delusion or just arrogance or something that you think is required to kind of like dive into the realm you're in right now you think that's necessary personally yeah it was a good old-fashioned like <laughs> struggling artist conversation mm -hmm. um, but there are plenty of artists that like make a living it's just there are very few artists that make it to, you know to that highest level of living um, but yeah, it's definitely gambling on yourself, but I feel like you do that with anything you do, right? Like mm -hmm. we, it's, and going into the college mindset, like, did you guys know exactly what you wanted to do going into college, you know, first and second year, or you figured it out? No, no we have no, degrees so. that we don't use. Yeah, I was, no, I was going to be an architect, <laughs> do want to be a cop, uh, I missed both <laughs> somewhere on the dartboard, so yeah. Yeah, I just, I just made it like the firm decision in, in high school that it was like, yeah, this is where, like, this is what gets me going. I find so much bliss and thrill in this and I'm good at it naturally. So yes, I'm going to bet on myself. That's a good mindset to have, man. It's very it's good. Very, Especially very rare. Very yeah. rare. Like, I don't know. I've never seen it, but. Especially yeah, at a young age. Awesome. Um, one of the projects I want to ask you about, um, I want to say, uh, in 2016 there was like a string of homicides going on in like woodbridge area you did the the gravestone project um do you feel like as an artist you have a bigger role in society to like you know do these type of projects to get to know uh, the things that are happening in the world out there yeah absolutely that's a huge part of being an artist there's a quote i think it's like our our job is to reference the past acknowledge the present and project the future it's something along those lines. And especially being an artist, I feel like um, you really have to indulge in your environment and your surroundings. So that project was launched fresh out of, fresh out of undergrad, actually. That was the first thing, that was the first project I did after graduating, which is ironic because it had nothing to do with like the sculptures and stuff that I was doing. Mm -hmm. It was more of like a social practice project and I just remember being on Facebook and seeing all of these deaths ha happening and moving back home so it was like within miles within a mile of radius from you know where we grew up so naturally I just responded to that and um I don't know I also wanted to do it and kind of selfishly push it really hard like I remember when I was doing it I was documenting it um I was being sure to document it because I knew that you know that the action was one thing, but it was going, the action was just part of it. It had to be seen. So I made sure that I documented it well, and then I submitted it to the local newspaper. And then the newspaper emailed me back and they ran it. And then I ended up getting like uh, emails from like MSN and then the Washington Post. Um, someone hit me up from there and then I had an interview with them and their, um, their journalists actually came to Woodbridge. Like we met at one of the sites, and <laughs> and it's funny because it was it was right across from the school. I think uh, it might have been Fred Lynn where it was across from, something like that. Oh, okay. But um, 
and there was the and there was these little kids walking home from school and they went up to the gravestone and they kicked that shit over. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was funny. And then she went and asked them questions and they were like, Oh yeah, I remember when that happened. I, I remember hearing about that. So Damn wow. <laughs> <laughs> was it more important for you to do that like was it and it was more true to you pretty much like you think it's important to like do projects like that that make a statement as long as they're true enough to you or like do you think it's better to also like keep up with the movement or something like that of something going on like where do you draw that line you make sure it's just it's just something you believe in yeah I think it's everyone has to you know make that decision for themselves and like I mean we fall into these kind of categories as artists right like are you a painter are you a sculptor are you uh you know conceptualist whatever whatever it may be and social practice was just i feel like i got a lot of social practice um insight from school like art as social practice and you know kind of the responsibility of artists and how they see the world and how they have to put those perspectives into the world and you know bring light to those things and then there's also this big like notion of artists really embodying their location like even now, I've proposed to so many things and depending on where my proposals are, they're so rooted in the community. Like I just did a, a proposal for a residency in DC. Um, it's called the Nicholson Project and it's in um, Southeast DC, I think, or yeah, Southeast DC. Um, there's a house there and they have, uh, so it's, it's a developer, they took a, a house and then made it like a community organization and they have artist residencies there and they have like gallery floors. So a huge part of their uh, proposal process was like, so what is your association with Southwest DC? What does DC mean to you? And what are you going to do for the community while you're here? So those kind of, um, I guess, expectations exist as artists already. Uh, someone uh, from this uh, production was talking about NFTs. Like they were like, uh, you know, they knew everything about it. Listen, listen. There's apparently there was some douchebag on here that wanted to talk about digital art and Vive and the Omi coin, as he's mentioning. And we just wanted it from a someone else's perspective. You could say, like, we wanted to see it's more true to you clearly. And um, obviously you're way more passionate on it. Like you've been working in this room for a long time. So like, what do you, what do you, what do you think about everything that was spoken by that alleged member? <laughs> you didn't butcher it too much i mean you, you hinted towards a lot of things i think you just like um kind of meshed them in and overlapped them unnecessarily are you familiar with the term fungible like do you know what that means fungible yeah like nft means non-fungible token like do we know what non-fungible is no. does that mean like non-replicable replicatable or so something I might like I might butcher this myself but it, <laughs> it's, apparently it's a business term and I'm gonna like try to explain it in layman's term it's like um something that's fungible like a currency is fungible I could have one dollar bill here and have another dollar bill here and they are worth the same amount um I, items that are non-fungible like art um I could have one painting here and one painting here but they're prices vary depending on a number of variables they can never be one in one so that's the notion of non-fungible tokens and then okay. just move that theory into the digital space and obviously I, I don't even know so obviously but for whatever reason the art world adopted this thing like immediately 
I mean, you don't think it's necessary though? Like, like that some of the things that you sell, like your, your AR sculpture that you can put in through your, your, um, like through your phone or something. Like we were seeing things how people were, uh, selling like filters of like a Batmobile and something like, it just seemed like a very clear lane for you to do. That's why yeah, I figured no. like it was. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, I've been augmenting in shows for a, a while now where I will have a sculpture that you can take out your phone and have like uh, the digital version of it. Um, and for me, and I think even now with a non-fungible token, I would still want a physical artifact to it just because, you know, I, that's the kind of um, language that my work exists in. I like the comparison between physical and digital and like living in those two realms and like metaverse kind of thing. But um, I, I mean, I, I think it's good, but I think art is only the, the, the surface of it. Do you, do you guys find value in owning a digital item? like that i would like to yeah. yeah the only way i could think of like um nfts being a thing is like 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 for example pokemon like if someone made a digital charizard and that charizard only has like maybe like five in existence i could find value in stuff like that but if someone has like like i saw like a batman statue there's like a hundred of these batman statues is that really valuable and like a hundred people really have them and they're all the exact same I mean, is it the, it's, it's dependent on your interest then, isn't it? Like, it would be kind of like, you know, what, what do you want? How do you make yours unique then? Like, I would buy it if, if you're only selling one then. Like, you would only be selling one AR, even if there was like 100 um, different Batman statues or something. Like, what if one is moving different than the other? Like, um, I think we're like underestimating people's interest on things. Because like, oh, yeah. even yeah. even knowing that there is a lot of them out there, like, what do they say about the whole Mona Lisa comparison? Like, taking a picture of the Mona Lisa, but not actually having the Mona Lisa. It's still the Mona Lisa. You know, there's that. Same with like owning like a, I guess like a digital uh, MP3 file or something like that. You can still hear it technically, but I don't know. You just own the signature I, copy or some shit like that. Like I don't know. I think it's the the gray area is just because it's so early. Like it's like okay, I can own something digital. How do I implement it? So I'll always try to bring it back to the ways that that's happening already. Right? Like let's imagine kids playing fortnite they buy skins they buy a whole bunch of digital assets on fortnite with their parents credit card right so those are it already exists it's already moving so then you just have to um think about so what do we place value in and i always go off on this friend it's like never underestimate the the capability of humans to place valuable or to place value in like fucking random things right like <laughs> yeah. people, collect, people collect the most random shit and then it's like, so how do you collect something that's digital? Um, I think we kind of have to project what the digital landscape looks like in the future and, and what this um, and what this means now, right? So even like take social media in, in, into consideration. So we have this, or let's go all the way back to MySpace, right? So MySpace, we have, like, li just listen to the, even what it's called, MySpace. So there's a digital space, and it's just a page that we're allowed to curate, right? But we like to curate it, we want to put our song on it. You could already see the implementations of NFTs there. If you want to put the song on your MySpace, you got to buy it, right? Um, and then let's just think of, move, jump into Instagram, right? So now we're on Instagram, we're all, like, displaying ourselves we're curating our profiles putting whatever we want on there so what does the future of social media look like and i will always argue that it becomes like ready player one kind of thing where it becomes mm. completely virtual like if you want to come to my page you're going to come into you know my vr room and i'm going to have my room curated and 
if I'm dope, I'm gonna have like um, a bunch of posters on the wall of my favorite artists or some real art pieces. So how does so how do you get those art pieces? You implement them as NFTs. I have the real uh, Takashi Murakami, you know, pillow here. Um, and perhaps that also comes with a physical one, but because we're so rooted in displaying our, you know, digital mm, lives. And shit. Yeah, I can completely see it making sense there. So I, I think the gray area is just not being able to imagine how you implement NFTs. Um, when, yeah, when you explain it that way, I was like, yeah, that, I can 100% see, uh, see that happening, like 100%. Yeah, I seen that person that sold. Did did you send it like someone sold their virtual house or something like that for like a half a million dollars? Yeah, so. the, the Mars house, bro. She sold, and this was amazing to me too because so much of what I'm seeing with you know the NFTs and all of the platforms that are selling them, like, um, and there are there are like open platforms and then like I would say top tier platforms that kind of have this like um, submission process that they only let certain artists get into it and stuff. But across the board, it's like, it's all, you know, MP3s, JPEGs, PNGs, animations, whatever, MP4s, whatever it may be. But how, so for me, what I was trying to really get at is how do I sell like a digital sculpture? Like, how do I sell something in that you can implement in AR? Because that's what I'm interested in. Like, I don't want to sell a photo of, of something. I want to sell the actual 3D model. And this, this was the first um, time that I saw it done. And she sold it for a ton, but the way she sold it, like the terms under it, she sold a 3D file and it's for the user to implement in whatever metaverse that they like or whatever metaverse that they choose. So, and her studio will help them set it up, but she just gave them rights to the file. And then that file will be implemented in AR with whatever platform allows that user to, or that collector, whatever platform that collector wants to implement it in AR. So, a, my bad, my bad, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, for me, it's just figuring out like how easily AR is going to be implemented in the future. Um, and I know our phones are already doing it. Like I could send you a file right now and you could open it in a text and you'll have like an AR um, option, like put this in your living room. So I don't know. It's just, that's the way, it's just interesting seeing that she sold it as a 3D file and that if it gets resold, that the collector has to agree to delete the file, and that the new buyer has to that's what I was gonna hand ask. the file back yeah. from the studio. <laughs> the, the collector can't pass on the files. They have the new collector has to get it back from the studio. So there's also only one one file. Yeah, uh, technically you could duplicate it, I guess. But yeah, that was my question. I was like, what was stopping someone from like, all right, cool, I'm gonna sell you this, but I'm gonna make a backup copy for myself and not tell anyone. So therefore, I, I'm gonna like have this backup copy changing a little bit, and it's not the same anymore. It's the, the blockchain, and I guess you know all all that NFTs really are is just a certificate of authenticity. Like that's yeah. what, that's what the blockchain technology allows. It's like it just leaves a paper trail. So you know people who find value in knowing that they own the only one or that they own a limited amount of things. It's, it's for them really. But that makes the most sense then. Like if you have to delete it in order to pass it on, that seems like the most secure, it makes more logical sense as far as like buying something that can or can't be replicated, I would say, but I do see the risk in like saying like, why can't you duplicate it? This, yeah. Even if he does replicate it, it's not, the replications aren't going to hold the same value because they are not attached to the blockchain with yeah. the same whatever number. That's the one that's going to, you know, have all of the collectors looking the same way we 
hold a value in like a certain edition of whatever Pokemon card or Yu-Gi-Oh card or, you know, whatever. So like, even right now, like, um, I mean, whenever I would, I don't want to get too off topic. I remember even when I would visit you at your art shows and stuff, and you would have pretty much like get people to hold up uh, an iPad so they could see your, you know, your AR sculpture and st- things of that nature. Like, is that what you see is going to be happening now within the next year? And you think that's like been, that process has been kind of sped up because people have been down and not being even able to like attend art shows and shit? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Oh, I have like a, a huge hatred for like quote unquote virtual exhibitions. Like I, wow. I never would have wow. thought you said that. I never would have thought you would have said that. Because I don't think that they've been done that well. Like I think, you know, it's the show must go on, obviously. So galleries have to, you know, keep programming going. But getting a bunch of artists, pictures of artists and putting it on a website page and say, hey, this is the virtual exhibition, um, is really lackluster to me. Like, what the heck does that mean? Yeah, it's like, that's not what this is for. Unless it's virtual work, right? Unless it's meant to be seen on a screen already. Like, in that sense, yeah, put a virtual exhibition on where you can have a web page where people scroll through, play videos. Like, that makes sense because it's on a screen already. But don't take me to a page with different paintings from different artists and think that that's a, a virtual exhibition. Um, yeah. Some of the better cases is like, and still, I think ass, there would be like, <laughs> you know, you can move through it and in, in, uh, in space, technically like zoom camera here, zoom camera there, like like the way that Google Maps allows you to do. And it's like terrible quality uh, resolution of whatever paintings would, would be hung up. Like that shit is ass to me. <laughs> I, I, would th- I thought you went virtual exhibition so you're saying like when it when an art show is displayed on pretty much like a page instead of like going to an actual like a physical exhibit and seeing digital art there that's what i was imagining like the process being now now that things are opened up and i mean you you were telling me like you have a few art shows coming up I'm, i imagine you having a lot of ar work there as well right oh yeah naturally i mean the next the the few shows that i have coming up are of work that's already done so yeah they have um AR with them. And I think, you know, I think I have to figure out, um, I have to talk to the galleries and then the museum about whether they want to offer it as an NFT and how we even go about doing that. Cause I mean, that would be really cool, especially with all the buzz behind it now, like yeah. go to a show, you're going to see the AR in front of you. That's the motherfucking selling point, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, Hell yeah. <laughs> and I'll take payment in Ethereum. That's completely fine. That's dope. Uh, that would be so cool, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> that's like going like further and further with like augmented reality and everything like that. Do you feel like um, sooner or later you're gonna have to learn like coding yourself to do what you want to do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you could only wear so many damn hats, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I could like I would be like. I can't code and sculpt, you know, I can't do both of them at the same time. So I think that it comes more into collaboration. It just becomes to where I'm not going to be able to do everything myself. I have to ask for help. I have to get people involved. Um, If I went the route, like figure out how to code and then figure out how to implement it, it would all just fall short. And it's overwhelming as it is now too. So I'm, I'm sure like you have four different mediums you're trying to create and stuff like that. That is, that is kind of brutal. So yeah. Uh, you guys believe in, uh, are you guys invested in cryptocurrency at all? Yeah. yeah shut up. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got Dogecoin. It's like, no, nah, I don't have no Dogecoin. <laughs> I had uh, Dogecoin, yeah. Uh, you sold it? Yeah, I sold that shit for like, uh, what is like 48 cents? I had like a good amount of it and just sold it off. So you got some good, you got some good take back. I got to get paid back. Yeah, I paid for my hotel in Turks and Caicos, so no complaints here. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I ain't mad at you. So what are you doing? What, are you looking at crypto like you're trying to catch like some like pump and dump like scenario? Like you're trying to like make a profit off it? Are you actually like looking at it like you're trying to own that as a currency to utilize later? Is that, is well, that- my introduction to crypto was via, you know, this whole NFT thing. I mean, I wouldn't say necessarily my introduction. My investment started with the NFT thing um, because in order to get involved, you have to buy Ethereum, right? Um, mm-hmm. So then naturally that snowballed and then I ran into a Komi, which is another thing that you went over um, and your one of your other podcasts was a Komi and how they sell NFTs and they make... Uh, this is and this is full circle for me. This is why Okomi makes sense also because they have uh they have a, a cryptocurrency, they have NFTs and they have a platform to sell it on with a huge audience. So they just connected all the dots for me and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So can you um, buy those I, coins? Yeah. Omi. I have a bunch of Omi, yeah. And it's okay. um, it's deflationary, so it works the same way as all of the, I guess, valuable currencies where there is only a certain amount and the more they get used, the burns and the more valuable the other ones become. Same way like Bitcoin works. So you own it right now and you, you feel like once it becomes widespread, like available, like you'll have, maybe you'll catch a big hit or something like that, or you think yeah, you're just holding onto it? I mean, I bought in, I bought in pretty early and it's gotten... It's gotten relatively good for me, but then it's gone back down. I'm still up. But yeah, I think that a huge thing with currency is whether it's going to be adopted by the masses. Like there are so many fucking three, three letter um, fucking currencies coming out all every, every other day, there's a new one. So it's like, what, where is the longevity in any of them? And obviously Bitcoin is going to be the legacy act, right? It's been adopted. It's been adopted by the masses already, and I think that that's that Dogecoin is a really good example of how anything that's a, adopted by the masses is going to, you know, um, skyrocket, be, be worthwhile. Yeah, so that's why I also believe in Omi because I think that it brings a huge audience with it, um, off the off the rip, like, and they focus a lot on their, you know, app and their collectible nature of things. And I think that they focus on that more than, you know, pushing uh, Omi as a crypto because they know that their market is going to be the determining factor of how much their crypto is worth. And it's smart to me. Yeah. And I was, I was still kind of confused on how that app was working. Like the Vive app is like what you can use to pretty much buy digital art, but there's like its own coin and the coin on that is like ran by Omi or something like that. So yeah, that's what the VV, VV app. So they sell VV app sells um, NFTs and they sell NFTs with partners. Their partners are the, are huge companies like DC comics, cartoon network, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they have NFL in there. Um, the parent company, Ecomi, is, is 
a, a licensing company. So they're responsible for licensing like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh and uh, an array of other things. And then so Vivi is like a branch off of that. And they came into the digital landscape um, and brought these companies and figured out how to, I guess, monetize digital assets. And I think they did it really well because it's like, the same thing we've been talking about this whole time is like how do, how do you implement nfts they made a platform to implement it and they made it a lot better than you know saying you own a jpeg of yeah. whoever's work this is you can augment it in real time and you know put it in your house um i think that there's it's a lot easier for people to grab value out of that and um on the back end everything runs off of their own currency um, or their own cryptocurrency, yeah. So, and the ent entry point is at this right now. Entry point is not easy, but um, if I'm not mistaken, you can buy an NFT on VB app with your credit with a credit card purchase or whatever, yeah. and it'll your yours essentially still running a, a crypto exchange because their back end transfers that into the OMI and. Um, that whole process gets done on the back end. So the entry level for uh, a user is super easy. Mm. So that means the value of OMI would still go up higher just that because- is, Yeah, so, so that means that, that OMI is going to be being burned and being used whether someone is into crypto or not. Yeah, let's see. Kind of like a, what Call of Duty does when you get a bike, like their mm. virtual currency, which are real money, and they're yeah. still using the virtual currency. Yeah, literally, like that Gears of War, all them bullshit games, fucking. <laughs> you know, like so, no, it makes sense, though. It actually makes sense. I mean, it broke it down a lot better than I did, um, allegedly, last time, because I was thinking you use the actual coin to buy it, but uh, no, nah, this makes a lot more sense, too, so. You, you could use the coin. It's, it just depends. You could make a, I, and I haven't even bought one on there. I'm more in it, like a, I don't want to collect a, a Batman per se, but I'm I believe in in what they have. I believe in what they're doing. So you're not look good to me. We're gonna I don't even know exactly how it works. <laughs> don't get me wrong. We're gonna get some of your art on there sooner or later. Oh, I would love to. And I I mean I've been that's the thing. Ever since I was put onto NFTs, um and big shout out to Jack Jack Mead, because Jack Jack is someone who I went to school with and he hit me up when all of this was like when it was booming and he was like man these people are getting so much money off of some random bullshit that, that they're posting and people are collecting it and we came up with a whole scheme to you know try to flood the market and it's a lot more expensive than you think so it didn't go very far yeah um I just got sidetracked, so I don't even know where I was going before that. That but... <laughs> <laughs> nah, works, man. Um, Alexa, I did have one last question for you. I don't know if uh, DeAndre had more. I did want to ask you about, like, um, you have recently talked about, like, pretty much, like, your fulfillment coming from, like, your peers and things of that nature and how you kind of, like, look forward to that a lot. Um I did want to ask you, like, what was your most fulfilling moment of your art career as it stands now? Was it given, like, you know, Kit Cuddy or trying to get St. John, like, a, a one of your, your statues and things of that nature? Like, what was it for you? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Damn, I don't know right now. <laughs> it's like the next even... one. The next one is it's the is the best for me. Uh, like, I I forget all of that other little stuff. It's always the next thing. So I guess the most fulfilling is what's coming up is my museum show um 
I'll have a museum show November 6th and it'll be on view for six months at the Tavern Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. And I just feel like that's cool. Like, um, and, and I don't even know who cares, you're in a museum, right? Whatever, but I don't know, for me, it's just like, <laughs> you know, the kid that was making paintings in his, in his basement and just telling myself, yeah, you're gonna be in museums, whatever. Um, and it's also the next thing. I don't really like looking back, but the Kid Cudi moment was huge. I think that that was, uh, I don't know, the most transcendent um, is when I gave him a sculpture when he was performing at Complex Con especially the build up to it just you know like taking it flying to cali um taking the sculpture there and just all the anticip anticipation like this is the goal right now being at at the um, i guess the it's not i guess i don't know for lack of better terms festival and making it to the front and him actually coming down and grabbing it and then holding it on stage and you know exchanging words with me on stage that was like Ooh, it's like <laughs> damn you could really do it you know like if you if you want to go like try and now it kind of like opens the it, i don't know was it like raise the ceiling a little more a lot of the times i feel like we used to think like just getting that one checklist mark from that celebrity was it but now you almost see like because it's accessible or now that it's doable it's kind of like damn like what is next so i see what you i see what you mean by saying like living in the next moment yeah and i mean from then it was and it's always been to like actually work with cuddy you know like i could give him a million things but i, I want to like play part in you know album packaging or something like that um so that was just you know part of the process i guess the vehicle which is still a huge goal is to you know build that kind of relationship could be far-fetched who knows but i mean we'll see nah, it's not far-fetched no, no more yeah, man. yeah. not anymore <laughs> did you get one to st john or no did you did you try to get one to st john? yeah i did get one to st john i get one to st john recently too i think like i don't even i don't know i'm back with time um maybe a year or two ago but yeah, that was that was awesome also. And this and we're never gonna see St. John like that again. This was in U Street uh music hall um in DC, which I think closed Damn. now because of the COVID. And it was like uh, small, right? It was really small. Area. Yeah, super tight, super like uh intimate venue. Um I don't think we'll ever get St. John like that again. It was perfect timing, you know, and you know I stand like I that shit has been on uh, repeat for more than a year now more than maybe going on two years <laughs> oh i noticed i best believe it I, you know speaking yeah, I, have of, a, I have a bad habit of repeating songs yeah i got <laughs> i gave him the vital too for his birthday last year the fucking saint john joy but yes yeah, and you were definitely um you definitely made that song annoying to the point where i was like i'm not listening to <laughs> <laughs> i probably listened to reflex like three times today no no yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like burned five thousand singles into my skull in seattle yeah. i, I yeah. I know DeAndre left as a St. John believer for sure. So did fucking Kevin. Kevin left as St. John believer. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good music, man. It's undeniable. The sound is good. It's good music. Unique as hell. My last question for you is: um, When are we gonna get you down in Austin, man? <laughs> well, yeah, man. get you down here. Now that I'm vaccinated, hopefully, really soon. We got this um, Miami trip coming up. I have to get to LA at some point and I got to get to Austin. So the summer, man. Yeah. By the end of the year, for sure. 
Gonna be broke, Abdul, boys. Abdul, where are you going? Where are you going? I'll go next time. Abdul goes. I'm in. I, I was th- I was thinking. I was talking to him today. I was thinking of either going in June or like early early July. If not, then just push it off till August. I don't know. This is one. In, yeah, yeah, that's soon. Yeah, it's smooth. Soon as fuck. <laughs> but it's like it's nothing for me because he lives close. Like he lives like like it's like a seventy dollar ticket for me to go there or whatever. Oh so, yeah, that's true. That's true. So oh, yeah, you yeah. yeah. yeah you're in the, you're in the middle. You're not too far. Yeah, so, so it's like a two-hour flight, I think. It's a move. It's, oh it's yeah, that's not bad at all. And yeah, so Ron says you want to come to Seattle too. We could run it for a weekend. That's, I'm cool with that. So yeah, just kidding, man. <laughs> <laughs> Are you most of DeAndre? Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, you, he didn't like hosting us last time. You couldn't wait for us to leave. He didn't want to drive us nowhere. He didn't want to drink. He didn't want to do anything. Everywhere. He didn't want to do anything. I had to drive us to Houston. It was the most annoying thing. But, I had to hey. drive back from Houston at 3 a.m. <laughs> Is that far from Austin? What's the drive? It's like three hours, three and a half hours. Oh, it's no premium. It's not even like it wasn't even worth it. You could just stay in Austin. Austin was the move. As it was. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think you would probably absolutely love it. There's, there's a lot of outdoor shit to do, and every single thing like drinking, um, uh, eating, all the restaurants, everything are all outside. Everything's yeah, we outside. We can get wild. It seems like vibe. And then Austin is a burgeoning city, isn't it? I, I think Joe Rogan moved his podcast to Austin. Joe Rogan yeah. lives here. Elon Musk lives here. I'm pretty sure Dave Chappelle is buying a house because he's always here. Yeah, yo, COVID made everyone go to Texas. What yeah, the- bro, my cousin, my cousin in LA is moving to Texas too. Like the cop, he's moving to Dallas. Oh, or- no more LAPD. He's trying to move to like near Dallas or whatever there. So damn. Yeah, man, Texas boys out there, it's crazy. Let's go Over to the South Wall. I'm staying over here. I'm staying true. I'm staying in the north in this corner of the world. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like that. But yeah. Amazon headquarters, Alexandria or Arlington or Alexandria, where? Yes, and uh, it's a Crystal City. I might, Crystal might come, City. Might go. <laughs> come I might come back. I might come back. You're right. Might see what it's like. Nah, ain't going back. Fuck y'all. <laughs> but uh, thank you for thank you for coming on the show, man. We appreciate it. Uh, no, thanks for having me. Let them know where to find you, Alexis. Let them know your IG, Twitter. So, oh yeah, yeah, Alexis Gomez are everything. Yeah. IG, Twitter, uh, dot com. Alexis Gomez. Uh, what's the date for your um, for your museum uh, showing? Okay, that's November. so. I have a show coming up. What's June? I think June twelfth in Hillsboro, Virginia, um, across McKenzie Gallery. It's, I think it's pretty. I mean, they're not they're not local or city. I think they're. It's like kind of like a farm kind of situation, but there's a wine tasting there. Um, that's okay. June 12th, and that'll be on view for a month or so, I think. And then the museum show is opens November 6th, having a museum in Roanoke, Virginia. And just for some context, Roanoke is like four hours away from as far as shit. So yeah, it's like, yeah. if you make get out there, salute. I appreciate you. For real. you, know, you said the June twelfth one is like it's like near Virginia though, like it's like close. Yeah, it's that, yeah, that's that's closer. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna be back June, back first. Oh, bet, so, bet. Yeah. We'll go together. It's it's a yeah. wine tasting there too, but let's do it. Uh, is there any projects that you're working on that you want to let us know about, or you want? Oh yeah, so I'm working on Simulation Three right now. So behind you is the painting for Simulation One. Behind mm-hmm. me is the painting for Simulation Two. I'm currently finishing up Simulation Three in the studio. I just uh, I didn't finish painting. I started painting it this um, yesterday and today. I have to do a few, uh, I'd have to do one more coat. I'll actually show you what it's the final coat is going to be for the color. 
I have my color samples here, and I'm real hype about it. It's like a color shift. Oh. I don't know if you can see. Yeah. Yeah. It that's goes from like green to purple. But that's that dope. Yeah, so I'm gonna paint, and these are two different colors. This is one sample, this is another sample. I chose this sample. But yeah, so this is, I'm, I'm painting it this color now. Um, and yeah, that's what's next. And merch will be coming with that also, obviously. Those colors? Probably, yeah. All right, nice. Well, uh, those are dope. Yeah, I fuck with that. Use the discount code Dooley and go ahead and get yourself fifteen percent off. Like that. Kidding. I'm kidding. It's like that. Yeah. We can put a discount code. A discount code. Uh, geeked up podcast. Hey, hey. I'll tell you. Go for it. Appreciate it, man. I will. Thank you for thank you for coming on. Love having you. Everyone, come on again. Let us know. No, thanks for having me, man. It's all love. DeAndre, you could get at, you could hit me up whenever you want because I owe you for my entire PC. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Uh, well, all right, y'all. It's going to be it. Peace out. Peace, peace. peace.